Welcome to the Building Science Podcast. Welcome to the Building Science Podcast. Bringing the human factor to construction, design, and architecture. Brought to you by Positive Energy in Austin, Texas. Okay, hello everyone and welcome back. Thanks for joining us here on the Building Science Podcast. I'm Christoph Irwin and I'm happy to share some time with you uh, on the topic of attic ventilation. This is going to probably be a shorter podcast than most. It's just me with some ideas and uh, ideas to share. One of the main ones is something that I'm not really going to jump into or dig into today, and it is why is it that we're having so much trouble as an industry accepting the truth of measured performance when it comes to attic ventilation? I don't know why. Uh, maybe you guys can listen to this podcast, and then we can get some discussion on our on our blog about that. But when it comes to the what about attic ventilation, the what is it doesn't really work, even though it's in codes and even though our guts tell us it should work. So that's what I really wanted to talk about. Is Let's talk about what we know about attic ventilation. And one of the things we know, most of us that are in the building industry know, is that in the codes, attic ventilation, you're required to have one square foot of net-free ventilation area for every 300 square foot of attic floor. And if you do just the soffits, then it goes up and you have one foot per every 150 square foot. So before we go farther, that concept of uh, net-free ventilation area, that's something of a myth within a myth. Uh, The first myth being that attic ventilation in a hot, humid climate is a good idea. And the second is that those uh, soffit vents offer the ventilation area that they claim they do. And that has not been borne out by testing. But we can leave that for now. As you'll see, that's relatively minor. So attic ventilation is in the codes, and it also seems to make sense, right? So um, it's hard to get past things that make sense. We, we can just see the little arrows where at, the air is going to flow in through the soffits, and then it's going to rise because it's hot, and it's going to go up and out through the ridge vents. Problem is, that's not how it works. Those forces are not big enough, neither are the holes. And it really the way attic ventilation when it does work, when air is exchanged through those vents, it's based on pressure differences created by wind. So wind drives attic ventilation, not the stack effect. Um, But as you'll see, or as you'll listen to soon, I think that that's kind of beside the point. So let's talk about code. Why is it in the codes? We talked about what's in the codes. Why is it in the codes? Well, I guess fundamentally it's in the codes because We were looking for something to help. We, being the building industry back in the early 40s, were looking for some way to help with humidity problems we were having in attics. And we didn't know then what we know now through measured experiments that the vast majority of humidity problems in attics are triggered by one of two things, either humidity problems in basements or crawl spaces, which communicate directly with the attic, or leaky ceiling planes, air leaking from the home up into the attic. So ventilating the attic does not solve either one of those two structural formative problems, but yet attic ventilation still remains. In fact, uh, Bill Rose, one of my heroes, he has a a great talent of being brilliant, uh, clear communicator, and hysterical all at the same time. Just got to see him speak at the Passive House Conference in Chicago. 
he talks about the one data point in the early 40s on one experiment, put the quotes around the word experiment there, pointing to the fact that possibly, maybe, somatic ventilation would help with humidity control in attics. The one foot to 300 square foot rule, or one, in, one to 150 relationship, no one can find any um, experimental basis for those numbers. As far as we can tell, they were just random numbers. Somebody needed a number, somebody provided a number. It's been in codes ever since. Um, I don't know if you guys know, you probably do, but there's other things in codes, like crawl space ventilation, like where to put vapor barriers and focusing on vapor barriers over air control that are either still in code or extremely slow to leave code. But attic ventilation, it's just the king of that. I don't know what's going on, but it'd be an interesting psychological experiment to, uh, to figure out why is it we can't get past attic ventilation. So it's in codes, and it just seems to make sense, are the reasons I think we're having trouble. So let's talk about why is it in code. Why, ostensibly, is attic ventilation in the codes? And there's four reasons uh, that are usually cited. And one is to reduce moisture buildup on the sheathing. So well, let's just list the four, and then we'll go through them. So to reduce moisture buildup on the sheathing, to help the shingles last longer by making them not as hot, to lower the cooling bills, get that heat out of the house, and to reduce ice dams. So those are the four reasons. Reduce moisture buildup, make the shingles last longer, lower the cooling bills, and prevent ice dams. So let's start with reducing moisture on the shingles. High humidity, high attic humidity, as we just talked about actually, is not from the attic. It's from humidity that's coming in through the crawl space or the basement or the home and leaking up into the attic. So the remedy is to go after the source of the moisture, which means fix your crawl, fix your basement, seal that ceiling plane. It's not to deal with ventilation. In fact, I'm in Austin, Texas. This is a hot, humid climate. It could be stated unequivocally that not only is it not a good idea in a hot, humid climate to use a ventilated attic, it is a bad idea. Um, there's, and this is not new stuff, right? This is not new stuff at all. There are studies. Danny Parker did one. It's probably been 10 years ago now, in the early, mid-2000s, a big attic ventilation study. And if I remember right, he said there was no scientific justification. There was no defensible argument from a measured performance, from a scientific physics-based perspective that said that attic ventilation for moisture control would work. Um, Bill Rose had the same result. Uh, and even earlier, in the late 90s, Armin Rudd and Joe Stiebrich, actually in hot humid climates, they point out that attic ventilation is not only a bad idea, it's one of the leading causes of moisture problems. And that's actually the motivation for this podcast, was a consultation we had last week with a powered ventilator, assisted attic with just tremendous humidity problems inside the house, inside the attic. And not just humidity, but comfort problems, indoor air quality issues. This is serious stuff. You know, if you've listened to any of our other podcasts, you know that Positive Energy loves to put the human, the occupant, at the center of the design because we know that if you design around the occupant, a good building will follow. And 
So from comfort into air quality, durability, and energy perspectives, which are all human factors, attic ventilation supports none of them, um, yet it's still persistent code. In a hot, humid climate, or in any climate, what happens with the attic is it, it, uh, it pulls in or releases air based on pressure differentials inside to out. So the hot air in the attic is going to get drawn in, excuse me, as the attic is cold, outdoor air can get drawn in, moving from hot to cold, and the humidity will come with it. And then at night as the attic, as the outdoor air cools off, the attic air is hotter and it's going to move outside. So it's kind of like a bellows effect based on the diurnal cycle. It <laughs> problem is it, it inhales both heat and humidity, but it doesn't exhale both heat and humidity. More, more likely what's happening is your attic inhales based on wind, driven pressure differences, outdoor conditions, which in my climate zone most of the time is going to be more humid and more hot than the indoor conditions in the attic. So it inhales hot, humid, and it exhales, well, tepid and dry because over time that heat has moved elsewhere, probably moved into the conditioned space below, which is cooler, and the humidity has probably been absorbed by the hygroscopic materials in the attic, the wood, the sheathing, uh, cellulose insulation, if that's the type of insulation you have. So this attic bellows effect is a bit asymmetrical. It inhales, uh, certainly on the moisture side, more than it exhales. There's really good ways to ventilate an attic without letting air in, and there, um, this idea of a vapor-vented ridgeline in a hot, humid climate is one that seems like a really good idea to me. This is something Joe Stebrick wrote about. And basically, at the, at the ridge of the attic, you create an opening that is vapor open, but air closed. So that's something like the magic of Tyvek can accomplish that. And there's, there's good ideas for that. Not only does it help keep moisture from building up in your attic by allowing for moisture diffusion up and out of the attic, but it prevents um, like fire, like um, sparks from getting drawn in your ridge vent and causing attic fires that way. So if you're in a wildfire prone area, that's a really good reason to use, consider vapor venting at the ridge. All right, back to code. So number one, reducing moisture buildup on sheathing. It, it just doesn't work. There's no scientific basis for that. And in a hot, humid climate, it's worse. It's, it, you can be more strong with your language and say, yeah, it's not going to help very much. And in fact, it's going to cause harm, almost for sure. So that's number one. To fix humidity problems, no scientific basis. Number two, shingle life. Right? So I don't know when this started, but some time ago, <laughs> before I started building, which was in the late 90s, um, roof manufacturers decided they liked the concept of attic ventilation. But I know from listening to Bill Rose that it wasn't always that way, that they didn't always say you had to have attic ventilations to uh, get their shingle warranty. The claim there is that if you make the roof decking cooler, you keep the shingle temperature cooler, right? This is, this is the one where you have the, you can just see the picture in your mind's eye of the, of the nice simple roof where you have the soffit, air coming in at the soffit at the bottom and going up along the backside of the decking and then out at the ridge, right? You can just, you can just feel that working. It just feels right. Problem is it's just wrong. It doesn't work that way. If you want to talk about what causes 
what influences, excuse me, shingle temperature, there's really two main causes, right? The, the roof heat load and the characteristics of the roof. So roof heat load, big one there is going to be the time of day, outdoor temperature. Probably the biggest is going to be the radiant energy load on the roof, which means is it clear or cloudy? The orientation, which way is your roof facing? What latitude are you living in? Is it windy? Um, is it raining? Is it snowing? These types of things. So what is the heat load on the roof? That is obviously going to impact shingle temperature. And the other one are the characteristics of the roof itself. So primarily color. Light roofs are cooler than dark roofs. Material also gets into there. Metal reflects. Typically it's a lighter color. But really that's more back into the color thing. So primarily color. And then also framing. Is it a trust roof assembly with uh, insulation at the floor or is it a is it a vaulted roof with uh, sheetrock on the other side of the rafter um, you know an insulation right there at the decking so if you were to go through the list right from factors that impact shing shingle temperature roughly going in priority order you would say um, something like the radiant energy load the outdoor temperature the time of day the orientation the latitude the wind speed the rain is it whether it's clear or cloudy, the roof color, the framing, and then you would get to whether the roof is ventilated or not. So, you know, just to summarize that, if you really want your shingle warranty, um, then it's good to ventilate an attic. If you really care about just keeping your shingles cooler, then just pick a light color, right? That's much more potent than any of the, any of the ventilation strategies. Now, the this gets into the powered ventilator, powered attic ventilators, whether it's solar powered or electrically powered. They do. There are measured studies showing uh, lowered attic temperatures when you have powered vents. And this is primarily because the attic to ceiling plane, attic, excuse me, the attic floor, which is the ceiling of the space below, is air open. Air can move right through it. So if you suck air out of the attic, you suck conditioned air from the house. And in the summer, that's air conditioned air, and therefore you cool off the attic air by pulling in air conditioned air into the attic. So not a good idea. All right, so back to code. Why is it in code? Reducing moisture, we covered that. Lowering shingle temperature, so shingles last longer, we covered that. Number three, lowering the cooling bills. This one is really high on the list of something that's never been measured but is seemingly common knowledge, right? Except for the scenario I just described where you pay in the form of buying energy to suck air out of your attic and thus pull house air up into your attic. In any other scenario, there is no attic cooling effect from ventilation. And in that attic ventilation scenario where you're paying to pull air out of it, Except for selling more ventilators, there's really no good reason to do that from an energy perspective. Uh, you use more energy to pull air out of your house up into your attic, running that vent fan vastly more than you'll ever save from doing that. Um, so this is a big example of something that's never been measured. I mean, it, maybe there is an effect, but and it's in the you know in the noise. It's just never been strongly correlated with it. Again, you could look to the research by Danny Parker, Steve Brick, Bill Rose, for a lot more background and all this stuff. Um, I'm speaking somewhat extemporaneously on this today. So number three, lower cooling bills, not data driven. Number four, reducing ice dams. 
I'm not even going to go there. I'm in a hot, humid climate. Attic ventilation, it can help with ice dams, but there's something very wrong. What creates ice dams are heat leaks from the house. Um, so very succinctly, what you're doing is you're trying to cover up, you know, in fact, all these. You're trying to cover up a, a misguided, misunderstood um, construction defect that has left the conditioned space attic separation open. And you're trying to, uh, to make up for that problem by ventilating the attic. Well, that doesn't make it a good idea. If the problem is that your home and your attic communicate, well, address that. Ventilating the attic is a decoy, and it doesn't lead to a successful outcome. So I just want to make sure that's really clear. Let's say it's summer. It's hot and humid outdoors. Hopefully it is cool and dry indoors. And I don't want any air moving through my attic, from my attic into my house, and I don't want any air in my house moving up into my attic. So the air control layer at the ceiling plane is very important that it be air sealed properly. Let's say it's winter. Now I have the opposite. It's warm and dry inside my home and cool and, excuse me, warm and moist inside my home and cool and probably overly dry outside my home. Same thing. I don't want to encourage moisture flow through that assembly. I don't want it to go up and I don't want it to go down. So you want to keep those two areas separate. Well, that about wraps up all the main comments I had and I wanted to get out. Hope that was helpful for you. I'll just try to summarize again. There's no or scant measured data that says attic ventilation is a good idea. There is a lot of data to say it is a bad idea in a hot, humid climate like here in Austin. And that the main thing we need to be thinking about is separating the attic from the house. And one last, can, you know, tied in here, consideration is if the mechanical systems are in the attic, if any air distribution is occurring in the attic, then absolutely that attic should not be ventilated. You do not want outdoor air around there. Um, you know, one I didn't mention is when wind does blow into your attic, it reduces the effectiveness of the insulation. That's called wind washing. Um, so attic ventilation is something we need to learn more about. And if you have any other questions or comments, please post them to the blog. I really appreciate you listening, and I look forward to digging in deeper with you on your projects on how to do ventilation properly for your climate zone. Okay, thanks a lot. Bye-bye.